This is a special presentation of the Holyokai Herald and the Radio Plasma Podcast. The Herald Mayoral Candidates Forum. Local journalism, youth-led in a forum with the two mayoral candidates answering questions from students and staff reporters. The mayoral candidates are... Alex Morris and Jason Ferreira. The Herald Mayoral Candidates Forum. I'm Brendan Leahy. I'm Isabella Corshane. I'm Feroz Danny. Welcome to the Radio Plasma Podcast, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Tonight's edition of Radio Plasma is being co-produced by the Holyoke High Herald, the student-run newspaper of Holyoke High School. I'm your host, Bella Corshane, Editor-in-Chief of the Herald. Joining me tonight are Herald reporters Brendan Leahy and Feroz Abdani. Hi, I'm Brendan Leahy. Hey, I'm Feroz Abdani. We have two very special guests tonight. The first is current Holyoke Mayor Alex Morse. Alex has been a mayor of Holyoke for six years, and this is also a graduate of Holyoke High School, class of 2007. Thank you for being here, Mayor Morse. Our second guest is the challenger for Alex's seat in this November's election, Jay Ferreira. Jay is a former Holyoke City Councilor and is also a graduate of Holyoke High School, class of 2001. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Ferreira. Thanks for having me. Tonight, Jay and Alex will be responding to questions created by Holyoke youth about the issues that matter to them. Questions will be posed to each candidate, and both Mayor Morris and Mr. Ferreira will have three minutes to respond. The other candidates, the other candidate will get one minute for a rebuttal or response. Before we get started, I'd like to give each of you the opportunity for an opening statement and two minutes to introduce yourselves to our listeners. Jay, your opening statement, please. Thank you. Thank you, Bella. Excellent, uh, excellent opening sequence there. Um, I just want to thank everybody for inviting me to this amazing studio. I, this is my first time here, and it's just really a, a great uh, opportunity to see what's going on in the high school uh, that we all loved, class of 2001. Um, thanks to Joe Kershane for, for putting this together, Johan Vega for uh, everything he does for our community, Brendan Bella, and my good friend and neighbor Feroz uh, for taking some time out to, uh, to ask us questions and to uh, keep us honest on, on the issue. So uh, I'm looking forward to a nice debate tonight. And thank you, uh, thank you also to Alex for, uh, for being here tonight. Opening statement, please. Uh, thank you, Bella and Brendan and, and Feroz. It's a pleasure to be here tonight. This is a, a great studio, and it's been really exciting to watch the growth of the Herald as well. And it's really become a, a known media source outside the high school as well, which I think is a testament to the leadership of the, the students who have really helped take it over uh, with the support of Joe and other uh, teachers and advisors here at the school. Um, it's always be it's always great to be back at Holyoke High School. As you said, I graduated in. 2007, I just had my 10-year reunion a couple weekends ago, um, and it seems like just yesterday I was here in the halls of, of Holyoke High School, and I'm really excited about uh, what's happening here uh, at Holyoke High School. There's so many great uh, teachers and, and students here. Uh, I'm optimistic about the, the future of public education, both in Holyoke, but particularly what's happening here at Holyoke High, led by teachers and students uh, and whatnot. But there's also a lot of exciting things happening around our city. I'm looking forward to talking about you know, issues important to young people, first and foremost, uh, issues on the minds of students here at Holyoke High and across uh, our district, and how we can work together to make sure all young people have access to a, a great education uh, in our city. So uh, thank you again for the invitation, and I look forward to having a positive discussion tonight about the issues facing uh, Holyoke uh, residents. Uh, and of course, I want to thank my opponent for being here as well. Thank you so much. So Jay, our first question goes to you. 
It's a very simple one. All it's right. really just why. Why do you think that you um, should run for mayor this year? Well, honestly, I talked about it a little bit last night. I think what our city needs is somebody that can, uh, there's, there's currently a divide in our city. I think there's a lot of uh, animosity between different uh, groups of people in the city. And I looked at the situation and, and felt genuinely that I'm the best person in the, in the city to bridge that gap. Um, I think uh, Alex does some really great stuff in the city, but you know, one of the criticisms I have of him is, is that he's not really been able to work with people who disagree with him. The city council um, and Alex have kind of been at loggerheads for uh, most of his tenure. And I think uh, there's a lot of practical reasons why we need to do this. I think for, um, you know, cutting red tape has been something we've talked about a lot in the, uh, in the campaign so far. And, you know, the way that that's gonna, gonna happen is to sit down with the city council and hash out exactly uh, what needs to change and how. And, and I think we really need a leader that can work together uh, to, to achieve something tangible. Um, so for me, really, that was the, that was the primary driving force uh, for, for running for office. Thank you. Alex, your rebuttal. Great. Uh, well, thank you for, for that question. And like any campaign, uh, you know, you have the incumbent and you have the, the challenger. And oftentimes the challenger talks about, you know, some of the deficits with the, with the current incumbent in office. And by no means am I a, a perfect person or a perfect mayor. But what I do know is that over the last six years, we've made a lot of progress in a number of different issues uh, in the city, whether it's public safety, you know, achieving the lowest rates of crime in, uh, in over 20 years, lowest unemployment rate, more people getting jobs, uh, supporting young people in particular in summer jobs programming and after school programming uh, throughout the year, uh, record levels of both private and public investment uh, around the city, uh, the highest level of, uh, in the last five years of building permits and construction happening in our city. And so I think the progress is, is undeniable. And, Part of our message over the last six years was to get you know new people involved in government you know regular folks i had run into a uh, a friend of mine from the senior center last night at the debate and uh dotty and her and her husband you know they came up to me after the debate and she talked about how she's lived in holyoke her whole life she's in her 70s and i was the first mayor that ever welcomed her into the office and she was so excited uh, to be there and it's stories like that opening up the doors of city hall uh, to just regular people, no matter where you live in Holyoke, whether you live in downtown, the Highlands, or the Fruitball, uh, I'm proud to be your mayor, and I want to continue being your mayor over the next four years to continue making progress on a lot of important issues. Thank you. Alex, you've been mayor of Holyoke now for six years. Why do you still want the job? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and I think back to why I first decided to, to run for mayor six years ago. I had you know graduated from Holyoke High School, went on to, to Brown University, and I oftentimes laugh because my classmates in college, the last thing they wanted to do was come back to their hometown. And people oftentimes made, well, why do you want to go back to Holyoke all the time? Your summer breaks, your, your spring break. And I love the city, and I think it's infectious. If you're from here, you're really proud of the fact that you're, you're from Holyoke. And oftentimes, you're inspired to, to come back. And I wanted to do that because I felt like I got a great public education here. I got opportunities that my parents uh, didn't have. Uh, but I also know people like my niece and nephew, other young people, those opportunities still weren't available for uh, every young person. And today, six years later, they're still not, although more, more people are getting a good education, more people are living in a safe neighborhood and having access to good paying jobs. But the reason I'm running again is because we still have a lot uh, more work to do, right? Uh, I think about you know people like you know uh, Tracy Trial. She used to be a teacher here at Holyoke High School, and now she's at uh, Peck. Uh, you know, for the first time in her adult life, she feels part of a community greater than herself. Uh, and she's giving back to our city in immeasurable ways, and I want to continue supporting uh, people like her. 
Um, you know, I think about people like uh, Mark Cutting or, or Jody Powers that are moving their business to Holyoke. When people, you know, told her, you know, why would you move your business to Holyoke? Why would you move your family uh, to Holyoke? She moved her kids from South Hadley Public Schools to Holyoke Public Schools. And it's that narrative uh, and story that I continue to hear that is indicative of the fact that we're changing the perception of our city uh, for the better. Uh, but I also know that we're, we're not done yet. I'll be the first to say that we still have challenges. Uh, Holyoke is a challenging community, but our best asset is our people. And there's nothing we can't achieve if we work together, find common ground, no matter your perspective, no matter what you look like, what language you speak, or where you're from. We're going to continue moving Holyoke forward. Thank you. Jay, do you have a, do you have a response? Sure, I do. Um, so I, I work in the downtown of our, of our city, and I just want to go Talk, talk a little bit about that. It's uh, a very welcoming downtown. I think there, Alex talks about the perception of Holyoke. And I think uh, outside the city, you'll encounter people that are, uh, that think the downtown is um, one of the, downtown of Holyoke is one of the scariest places uh, on the planet. And it's one of the things that really will genuinely make my blood boil when I, when I hear somebody from outside of the city talking bad about our city. And I just want to take an opportunity to set that record straight, that our downtown, I work in the downtown. Um, I spend a lot of time in the downtown. You know, I'll go down to Heritage State Park at 10 o'clock at night with my girlfriend to play Pokemon. And, um, and it's completely comfortable. We're having an event on uh, Thursday night, uh, a Halloween uh, outdoor movie, which I hope you'll all consider joining us, Alex. I hope you'll consider joining us as well. Um, and it's just an opportunity, really, I'm excited for people, not just from Holyoke, but from all over the community to have an opportunity to come in and see our uh, beautiful downtown and, and, and uh, start to change that perception. So thank you for that question. <clears throat> Alex, our next question goes to you. One of the hot topics in Holyoke today is panhandling. Mm. Experts say it is an abuse problem, but others put the blame on uh, panhandlers themselves. Mm. How do you address this problem? Yeah, this is an important question because it's something that's come up uh, in a number of, of conversations. And I think Jay and I have a, a lot of common ground on this issue uh, as well, that it's a, it's a symptom of a larger issue that our society faces. And I also want to be very clear that it's not a Holyoke-specific issue, right? So, you know, we could address it to our best extent here in the city, but we also know that panhandling exists in Springfield and Chicopee and Northampton and Hadley. And so what it really requires is a regional conversation and collaboration among municipal leaders. One of the things I have done along with Councilor Lisi and Councilor Roman is convene a task force of organizations, uh, well, city departments like the Department of Public Works, the Police Department, the Board of Health, but also Tapestry Health and Providence Ministries for the Needy. Uh, our police department, they did a really great job. They were proactive. They identified 13 individual panhandlers in the city, and we interviewed them. You know, why are you panhandling? Uh, what are your barriers? Um, you know, some self-identified as having a substance use, use disorder, and so how do we get them access to treatment? Uh, you know, some had a barrier to getting into a detox or a rehab program because of a warrant. So there are very specific barriers to some of them. And how do we, through uh, multi-agency collaboration, work to break down those barriers to get those people uh, the help that they, uh, they need? And so, uh, you know, the police, to the best of their ability, can help contain the problem. Um, you know, I don't think we should be implementing policies around, uh, you know, fining or fee or forcibly removing. We've seen in cities like Worcester and in Boston, uh, those really come back on the city in the amount of hundreds of thousands of dollars of lawsuits. So I think we can find middle ground here. Uh, and I've certainly heard from concerns uh, from residents here in the city and business owners. And we're going to do the best we can uh, working with the private sector to, uh, you know, to make a dent on, on this important issue. Thank you. Um, you mentioned Tapestry Health, and I know that that's been a very controversial organization. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that community support 
is what's keeping you from um, fully supporting the panhandlers and getting them where they need to be? Do I think community support, um, what? I'm sorry. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> tapestry health has been yeah. a very controversial topic yeah. throughout the community. And do you think that because it's been so controversial that the panhandlers haven't gotten the need that they help, that they need? Um, no, I think, you know, in the meetings that I've had with uh, Tapestry Health, and, you know, I want to thank Jay, um, you know, in his first term as a city councilor, he was a strong supporter of needle exchange uh, at the time. Tapestry is much more than a needle exchange program. They do needle cleanups. They did uh, one this, uh, this past weekend uh, with community partners. They've done overdose prevention training uh, as well. They've helped distribute Narcan. We're one of the only communities in Western Mass that has actually seen a decrease uh, in overdose deaths because of that education and collaboration uh, in the community. Uh, and before a needle exchange program you know, existed in the city, there were syringes uh, and needles uh, in the streets. I think now that a, a program exists, we've seen more needles collected than distributed, uh, which is a positive thing. But you know, I and, and Jay and anyone else, I mean, it's unacceptable to see you know, syringes or needles in, in public spaces and in parks, um, school properties. So we've worked really hard with Tapestry, the Board of Health, the DPW, and the police uh, to respond to that as soon as possible. Uh, we have a hotline in, in coordination with Tapestry to respond to that uh, as well. But a lot of it is relationship building. And so those panhandlers, for example, that may have a, a substance abuse issue, it's about building a relationship over time to help somebody get the treatment they need. It's not as easy as going up to somebody and saying, you know what, you really need to get help. It's about building that relationship so that you know, weeks or months later, you can come back and say, all right, I've decided to, to get help. And that's not always something that happens immediate. But by building those relationships with an organization like Tapestry, I think we're going to be able to make a difference. Uh, feel free to rebuttal either of those. Great. <clears throat> if I could rebuttal, uh, rebut both, actually, that would be great. Um, so panhandling, right, it's, it's uh, I've been actually a bit frustrated because, you know, for me, I, we're really trying to talk about, you know, the public schools, public safety, economic development, but every door I knock on, it seems that what folks want to talk about is panhandling. You know, it's just that issue that's, I guess, something that everybody can, can get their head around. And um, I think, right, Alex and I agree in a number of ways. I, you, you can't forcibly... Uh, remove panhandlers. That's not going to be an effective strategy. I said at a previous debate that, you know, the proposal to erect barriers at intersections to me is absurd, uh, a waste of time. But that doesn't mean that there isn't things that we can do to be more proactive about it. And I think, you know, for me, I, I uh, the approach that I, I think, we're generally speaking, we should take is to be uh, compassionate, but not allow ourselves to get taken advantage of because there are folks out there that are taking advantage you know certainly um you know i have uh, a great deal of sympathy sympathy for folks who are struggling with mental health or addiction and alcoholism issues but you know not everybody is uh is suffering from that there are people who are taking advantage and there's people who are abusive to our residents and we need to be aware of that and we need to responsibly move forward to uh to take to take care of those issues. Um, and Alex is right, o other communities, I think Lowell in particular, and possibly Worcester as well, enacted some pretty aggressive regulations ar around panhandlers and it came back to bite them. They were uh, sued and, uh, and ultimately lost those lawsuits, right? So, um, you know, it's not as easy as just like forging ahead and, and removing everybody. It's, it's really gonna be uh, a long-term approach and a holistic approach, but you know the, the general plan is to you know be compassionate, but don't allow ourselves to be taken advantage of. And um, 
the second question was uh, was it just about uh, the public perception of, of tapestry right so um, I was I, I don't know if I want to say I was the strongest supporter on the City Council for the needle exchange but I, it was certain I'm certainly in the in the conversation and it's been an unpopular thing and for me it would have been politically prudent this election to am I done Okay. Right. Sorry. <laughs> Jay. Yes. If you're elected, you'll be stepping into a city still engaged of, in a debate around panhandling. What plan of action do you take to help it? Absolutely. So um, I'll just uh, defer to my previous answer uh, on the rebuttal. And so with the needle exchange, I just want to continue talking about that because it, it really is an important program. And I think it's you know, it's easy for folks to, to say, here's a needle exchange and here are needles. It's the needle exchange's fault. Like that's a, that's a logical step. It's a logical step and I understand why people feel that way. And I understand when somebody sees a needle in a park when their six-year-old is playing, why that's a serious issue and why it invokes such uh, passion about it. But I think, uh, you know, for us, it, if we remove the needle exchange, if we keep the needle exchange, there's going to be needles. The opiate epidemic is a nationwide problem. Hoyoke has been torn up with it. And the needle exchange isn't going to solve every problem, but it's, it, it's, it does more good than harm. And, um, you know, further, I think, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time down there speaking with the, with the folks who work there, and I think I know every single person who, who works there. And I, I, you know, they're the ones that are out cleaning up the needles. They're the ones that are being proactive about it. They take a lot of abuse. They really do. But, you know, when you go out, and I've done this, and I've done this in this campaign, and I've done it before, when you go out into a, an encampment of people who are homeless and to clean up needles, and you see the suffering, and you see the folks from the needle exchange bring some comfort to those people and bring them, uh, bring them some hope and, and get them into treatment, it's a really powerful thing in our city. and. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to absorb any political uh, flack that, that's going to come with that because it's, um, it's just such a serious problem it, that it, it's more important than politics. And, and I do commend Alex for, uh, for taking the lead on that and for absorbing, you know, countless uh, criticisms over, over that issue. I think uh, it was the right decision, and it's something that um, I'm certainly planning to continue on. So, Can I ask you rebuttal to that? I uh, want to thank Jay for his, uh, his support. Um, I mean, I, I look back six years ago. Um, it's something that the city had considered for many years before. And, you know, similar to Jay, this wasn't about uh, politics. And I think we agreed on this back then, and we agree on it now. It was about public health and literally saving people's lives. And the research and the data show that harm reduction programs like needle exchange, uh, they save uh, people's lives. And, and as Jay said, it's easy to associate a, a needle with a needle exchange program, but the needles were there uh, long before the program existed. But what we have today is what we didn't have before. We have a dedicated team of people responding uh, to needles that may be in public spaces. Uh, we have a team of people that are helping people get into treatment. Um, and that's, uh, you know, you can't put a price tag or a, uh, politics behind that. This is just, this is what we run for office for. This is why we're in government is to help people and improve their lives. And if a needle exchange program does that, uh, I think that's why we support it, so. Thank you. Uh, Jay. Hoyle has the highest commercial t uh, taxes in the state. Mm -hmm. How do you plan to lower these taxes and to bring f uh, future business into the city? Right, so, you know, there's, <clears throat> there's really two ways to go about it. There's, number one is to bring new businesses into the city. Number two is to expand the existing businesses. So, um, really, I think, uh, 
you know, I've talked a lot about cutting red tape and what does that mean is, you know, you go to open a business and there's these layers of bureaucracy. You need to get a permit and you need to get a license and you need to go in front of the planning board and the city council ordinance subcommittee and then the city council redevelopment subcommittee and then you need to go to the city council and then back to planning and it's this huge drawn out process and we've seen other neighboring communities, particularly Northampton and Chicopee, have streamlined that process. And I mentioned in my, it may have been my opening statement or an, uh, an earlier question that, you know, to go, to, to go about doing that, we really need to work with the city council. The city council um, is, you know, I was a former city council, obviously, and, you know, that's the body that's uh, ultimately going to be responsible for, uh, for making those changes. So as the mayor of the city, you need to really be able to sit down and... Uh, and listen to the business community, listen to the, you know, the Hoyoke taxpayers and the Latino Chamber of Commerce and the, and the, various, uh, and the various business organizations about you know, what can we be doing better. Um, also, we need to be uh, engaging with, with these other cities and, and getting an idea of what specifically they've done differently. How has Northampton cut their uh, application for a new business down to you know from eight months down to two weeks how has Chicopee done the same thing what does Holyoke need to do um, and you know I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that I have uh, every answer it's a very complex thing there's you know hundreds of changes that are gonna be needed to be made but um, ultimately if we're gonna be lowering commercial tax rates we need to bring new businesses and expand um, our current businesses and really making the uh, making doing business easier is the best way in my view and I think um, you know, I remember as a city councilor it was always a, an unpopular decision it was either raise the residential rate or raise the business rate and you know you'd always have the uh, taxpayers association and, and uh, their representatives at the at the meetings you know, advocating for the low business rate and you'd get one or two residents uh, advocating for the low residential rate and it's you know there there's strong arguments on both sides you know businesses are are pinched pretty tight but there's also folks on fixed incomes and and, and a small tax raise is a big deal um, so I just think it's something that we really need to focus on and we've made it a uh, focal point of our campaign because of that so thank you for that question thank you and Alex you can rebuttal that yeah, no, thank you, Brendan. And it's an important uh, question. And in Holyoke, many people know we have a split tax rate. So we have one tax rate for the business owners and another tax rate for uh, homeowners in the community. And uh, the tax rates fluctuated by pennies over the last uh, six years. The commercial rate has gone down uh, a little bit, but, but not enough. I've worked directly with the Chamber of Commerce and the taxpayers to address uh, larger issues. And the way we're able to, to tackle that uh, complex problem is by uh, bringing a new economic development to the city, but also supporting uh, businesses that already exist in Holyoke uh, to expand as well. Uh, we've seen property values uh, go up in the city uh, drastically over the last uh, six years, and that helps provide us with uh, relief in that uh, you know we don't have to raise uh, taxes each and every year. Uh, we've also kept the budget relatively flat over the last six years as well, which allows us to mitigate any potential tax increase uh, in the city. Uh, but the question also, you know, lends itself to a larger conversation on the economic development landscape uh, in the city. Um, you know, right now we have a, a over $200 million of private investment in the pipeline, and I look forward to talking about it more throughout the, the debate tonight. Thank you. And Alex, as mayor, in the last six years, how have you, uh, brought the, how, how have you tried to bring these taxes down to bring potential business into the city? Yeah. Well, thank you. I was going right there anyway. Perfect. Um, um, 
and that's a that's a, that's a great question because it's exciting to note a lot of the economic development pro progress that has happened over the last uh, six years. One of my first acts uh, as mayor was to expand the tax incentive uh, program for businesses that are expanding or coming into the city. Uh, it used to be a five-year program, now it's up to a 20-year. We've implemented a similar program for new uh, housing development, uh, and so there's over 200 million dollars of private investment in the city. You know, just last Wednesday. Uh, what was once a homeless hotel, the entire Ingleside Square has now become a Fairfield Marriott, uh, Applebee's, Chipotle, uh, Vitamin Store. Um, that's economic development, created a few hundred jobs, $20 million investment. Uh, right down the street, uh, last Friday, we joined the Marcotte uh, Ford family for uh, groundbreaking on their new $8 million facility, uh, adding uh, another uh, 10 full-time jobs uh, and expanding their campus down on Main Street. They bought the former Gary Rome property, increasing values and creating new jobs. Uh, and speaking of Gary Rome, uh, they purchased a property up on Whiting Farms Road uh, for $2 million from the gas and electric, which uh, will go to make sure that our utility rates continue to stay low for Holyoke homeowners and business owners while also being reinvested in other properties uh, in the city. That's now the largest Hyundai dealership uh, in the nation. Uh, also, you know, take a drive uh, downtown and see the, the changes that have happened there not just to public investments of the train platform or the canal walk or Veterans Park or uh, the new skate park renovations at Pulaski Park, Pina Park, Carlos Vega Park, uh, Avery Field. Uh, we've invested in our public spaces because it's led to unprecedented investment in the private sector as well. Uh, look no further than the Qubit investment on the corner of Race uh, and Appleton, the HCC Culinary Center, the first two floors, 18 market rate apartments uh, upstairs. That's actually the first project in the city's history where we used a commercial tax incentive and a market rate, uh, market rate housing uh, tax incentive there uh, as well. Uh, projects like Gateway City Arts, uh, the steam building, uh, and other investments in that uh, general area uh, have really transformed uh, downtown Holyoke and have begun to bring hundreds of people downtown to spend time with friends or family, uh, concert venues, music events, uh, dining, and things like that. So uh, we've, we've certainly turned a corner when it comes to our economy. Uh, we see the lowest unemployment rate uh, since the early 2000s. Uh, again, we see the highest uh, rate of construction and building permits being pulled. Uh, and we see our values both for homeowners and business owners uh, going up. And so despite you know, tough fiscal uh, conditions, we've been able to weather that storm in regards to our budget. Uh, but we've also been able to send the message that Holyoke is uh, open for business. Uh, some people may have also seen the story of uh, Mark Cutting. He owns uh, 28 Appleton Street, C&D Electronics in the aerospace and defense industry. He's expanding his business. Uh, he's also leasing to GTI to create 100 jobs uh, in the marijuana industry. Uh, and then he also just purchased one Bigelow Street on, on, uh, on Appleton Street uh, next to the computing center uh, to expand his business there, bringing that building from a nonprofit to a tax-paying entity. Thank you. Jay, your rebuttal? Yeah, Jay, your rebuttal. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we've, you know, we've heard a lot of anecdotes about various businesses that um, are opening in the city, but you know, what I'm concerned about is, um, and what we're really focusing on moving forward, is trying to develop some of these bigger uh, properties that are uh, well-located. I think the Lynch School property is one that's um, been underutilized. I think it's been, you know, it's been on the market. There's been proposals. They've been pulled. There's been, you know, various issues there and up near the geriatric authority as well. These are valuable pieces of property for the city. They're not really making new uh, 
exit on off the highway. So a, a giant parcel like uh, the Lynch School property is it has great value, and a, a large par parcel up at the intersection of the Ma Massachusetts Turnpike and Interstate 91 has great value. And we really need to be prioritizing these uh, these properties to get them back on the tax rolls because. Um, you know, there's not going to be one big move that's going to save the city, but these significant, uh, these significant properties uh, really need to be the priority. Thanks. Thank you. Alex, you've been the mayor of a city of in receivership for almost three years. Some people have perceived your perceived have, have criticized your perceived lack of involvement in day-to-day -day school operations and school committee meetings. How would you respond to these people? Yeah, and certainly that's a, that's a good question. And like many people, I think receivership began a little over uh, two years ago. And, and, and like many students here, including yourselves and uh, your families, I shared with uh, I shared in many of those concerns as well. People were a little fearful as to as to what would uh, happen. But what I've seen over the last uh, two years is is teachers in particular roll their sleeves up and are incredibly dedicated to making sure we transform and make sure that the Holyoke Public Schools uh, are serving all students, not just uh, some students. Uh, you know, we've had challenges in the public schools for decades, high dropout rates, low graduation rates, uh, low uh, reading scores uh, in the third grade. Uh, but we wanted to make sure that all students, no matter what you look like or what neighborhood you come from, would get a great uh, education here. And some of the examples that I've, that I've witnessed, and I, I work hand in hand with Drs. Reich and uh, his team and principals and teachers here uh, on the ground at Holyoke High School, is that people are optimistic about uh, what's happening here and they're willing to create uh, the future here at Holyoke High School. Uh, you know, I, when I think about receivership, I think about you know, new uh, programs uh, similar to the dual enrollment. I mean, for the first time in our uh, you know, school's history, we have students taking classes at Holyoke Community College or Westfield State or, or UMass Amherst. Those are opportunities that I wish I had uh, when I was here uh, at Holyoke High School over, over 10 years ago. It makes our students uh, more competitive. Uh, I've also been directly involved in the um, secondary redesign work. Uh, I know Drs. Reich and I worked together to secure a $400,000 grant from the Barr Foundation. Uh, so that students and teachers, including Mr. Kershane, you know, literally travel around the world to study high school models and how do we apply that here to Holyoke. Uh, and you know, learning from people like Megan Lynch Harrison about what those four academies uh, are. Uh, and so how do we make sure that young people, uh, that every young person has a pathway uh, and every student here has a pathway to excellence? And so how do we know what we're learning here at the secondary level is applicable to what young people want to do when they graduate uh, high school? The last thing we want is for our young people uh, to be bored. Um, you know, other things we've expanded are our preschool options. You know, we used to just have Metcalf School and a, a half-day program. We now have multiple sites in partnership with Head Start and VOC. Uh, and pre-kindergarten education is essential uh, here in the city. Uh, but we've also, I think, empowered school leadership. It's not so much about top-down decisions. Uh, every school is different. Every neighborhood is different. And so how do we empower the teachers and the leaders at individual schools uh, to craft their own budgets, to craft their own days and curriculums, uh, but also make sure we're aligned uh, across the district. So uh, I'm proud of the work that I've seen happen. Uh, I've seen the graduation rate go from 49% over four years when I took office uh, to now uh, upwards of 65% uh, today. Uh, still too low, but uh, a step in the right uh, direction. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that we still have a, uh, you know, a lot of challenges uh, ahead of us, but just based on my interactions with students like yourselves and, and teachers that I, I come across uh, today, um, I know we're moving in a, a positive direction and I think it'll continue uh, going there. Thank you. Jay, your response? Uh, well, my response, I think this is one of the things Alex and I disagree on. I, I'm uh, vehemently opposed to 
state control of our local school of our local school district. I think um, you know if if there's one thing I can uh, could accomplish as mayor, it would be to regain local control of our public schools. And there's various reasons for that. And you know I'm not really sure of Alex's position on that. I think he's kind of evaded uh, making a firm uh, declaration on that. Maybe we can get something tonight, um, or maybe I've misunderstood something in the past. Or, um, but yeah, I, I think. Uh, you know, generally speaking, we're losing a lot of students. We're losing a lot of teachers to other districts. There's a lot of frustration uh, among the teachers that uh, I've received as a candidate for office. I think they're, uh, they don't feel that uh, the administration is, is really backing them, and there's, uh, there's a lot of fear. So, <clears throat> you know, like I said, one of the, one of the first things we're going to do is, is, to, is to start to really press the state um, on a timeline and on the specific criteria for returning uh, control of our schools to the city of Hoyle. Thank you. Jay, you've spoken out strongly against some big issues in education, such as high stakes testing, charter mm. schools, and receivership. Yep. Thanks to being in state receivership, the Holyoke Public Schools are in a unique position. As mayor, you will now have a very limited amount of control over what actually happens in the schools compared to mayors in surrounding cities. How do you plan to influence the direction of the school system in the context of receivership? Absolutely. I mean, that's, a, that's such a fantastic question. Um, <clears throat> there's a number of things. I think number one is, is Holyoke has a unique opportunity here. We're you know, we're taken over by the school, by the state. Our schools are taken over. So I think our voice really has some added strength to it uh, down in Boston. So the f really the, the, the first thing and, and one of the approaches I took as a candidate is to start to advocate for some changes uh, on the state level. I think the, uh, the current high stakes testing uh, model is inherently flawed. I think it's just essentially punishing Hoyoke for its socioeconomic status. You can predict test scores based on income. Um, it's, it's consistent throughout the state. The wealthier communities do well, the poorer communities do worse, and so then we can sit back and, and the people in Longmeadow can say, look at us, we're great, and Hoyoke's not as good, and it's just completely ridiculous. Our students are, uh, quite frankly, not only as good as those in surrounding communities, but I, th I think that they're actually much, much uh, smarter and stronger and tougher people because um, they have a, an experience that's different um, from some of the surrounding communities. There's a lot of uh, diversity in Hoyoke, and there's a lot of folks from different backgrounds in Hoyoke. And you know, I'll, t I'll take a Hoyoke student over a Long Meadow student uh, all week and twice on Sunday. So standardized testing for me, high stakes testing, is uh, just a flawed, uh, is just a flawed uh, policy. And I think it, w it might have been my first press release as a candidate, or certainly in the top five. Um, of just my position on why we should uh, why we should try to go about uh, making that change, and Dr. Zreich, uh wrote a response to that, and we had a, a good debate about it. And I don't think there's actually a, a ton of folks in the city who disagree with that position. I think um, you know one of the primary factors in the state takeover was our test scores, and so you know when I see this flawed testing system and the state comes in and takes over our school based on on that flawed system, it's really frustrating for me. Um, charter schools, I'm a uh, militantly opposed to, to charter school expansion in the in the uh, in the state. Uh, we'll do everything we can to prevent any expansion in the city. Um, you know, I'm not against options, but I am against public uh, tax dollars going to private entities, and and that's exactly what charter schools are. They uh, can masquerade as nonprofits or whatever they like, but um, for me, it's a it's a private company taking our public tax dollars, and I'm going to do everything we, and everything in my power to uh, oppose it. I was a very early opponent of the uh, question two ballot initiative to expand charter schools in the state. Um, 
early on it was uh, polling was showing that it was going to pass, uh, I think, 65-35, and ultimately by the time uh, Election Day came around, I think it lost 65-35. So I was really proud to be uh, really on the ground floor on that, uh, on that issue and that uh, the, the residents of the state of Massachusetts came around to see the, uh, the reasoning behind, uh, behind opposing question two. Thank you. Thank you. Alex, your response? Yeah, another another great question. And I, I think Jay and I agree on more of this than, than he may think. Mm -hmm. And in terms of charter schools, I was, I was proud to be one of the mayors that came out against uh, question two uh, here in, in Western Massachusetts and campaigned uh, against the expansion at the state level because there wasn't adequate protections or funding for uh, local communities. So I also just joined my colleagues on the Holyoke School Committee last week and uh, asking the Holyoke City Council to file a home rule petition for the 100% uh, assessment of, of charter school reimbursement uh, to our city. Uh, and so yes, the Holyoke Public Schools are losing uh, dollars that could be going to our classroom and our district uh, because of the expansion of charter schools here in the city of Holyoke and across uh, our state. Um, and in terms of you know overall receivership, I think we're working each and every day to get back local control. But the way we get back local control is by improving outcomes for all students. Uh, that doesn't just include uh, test scores. Uh, I actually agree with Jay. I've come out in support of a moratorium uh, in the past, and I think it's important we uh, move forward. And testing is just one small part of other metrics that we measure progress in the school. Things like graduation rates. Uh, how are people feeling uh, in the school? So I think we can work together to get us out of receivership, but our priority should be improving outcomes, improving our school to actually get there. Thank you. Jay, you've gone on record as stating you hope to make Holyoke a quote elite technical education hub. Currently Dean Tech is under-enrolled and there is a negative perception of the school throughout the city. How do you plan to both improve the state of technical education at Dean and make it attractive to families? That's a great question, Froze. You really, uh, you, you, the panel really did their homework. I'm, I'm impressed, I have to say. Um, <coughs> without a doubt. So, um, yeah, technical education. I think it's it's more of a, a critique of our society's view on technical education than I think uh, specific to Holyoke. I think Holyoke uh, stood to benefit uh, more than any other communities. But um, I think my position was just, in just generally speaking, that uh, you know the, the blue collar technical education, highly skilled jobs, electrician, pipe fitter, plumber. Uh, metal fab, uh, various uh, things that they teach at Dean Tech and other technical schools in the region are kind of viewed as some species of failure, something that you do if you don't succeed in the college uh, track. And, you know, for me, I, I think um, it, that, that, that's a flawed way of thinking. I think that um, I, maybe I'm a, a little bit biased. My father's an electrician and, um, you know, he gets up every morning at six in the morning and he goes to work and he works hard all day and he comes home. And, um, you know, I'm very proud of that. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, see, um, I see how skilled he is and how intelligent of a, of a man he is and, and how hard he works. And I'm proud of him for that. And, um, and so I started, I think because of that, I started to really look into um, just different data, data points throughout, uh, throughout the country. And, and what I was finding was that there was a, what, what's commonly for, referred to as a skills gap. So there's uh, a need for skilled workers, but there's uh, not enough of them to fill, the, to fill that need. And so I saw it as an opportunity for the city of Hoyoke to sort of rebrand our schools as, um, as an elite technical education hub. So you know we're taken over by the state and there's some issues with test scores and and various other issues, but you know we could be a an elite technical education hub, and this is a place that you can come and transfer into the city of Hoyoke and get a top level technical education and go on to make uh, make some good money and have a very stable career. I mean, I know um, a number of electricians. I'm going to talk about electricians a lot, but um, 
uh, and, and none of them are looking for a job. They're all, they're all making very good money. They, you know, no matter where they go, they can travel the country. They're going to find a job in about five minutes in a, in a well-paying job. So, you know, I just look at it as, a, as uh, something that I think as a society we need to start looking at differently. I think it, it's, uh, you know, really a, a should be a, an option for people, um, a first option for people. And I think uh, it's also an opportunity for the city of Hoyoke to, to rebrand the schools and to give our students uh, an opportunity to be successful members of society. And I think that's, generally speaking, what the, what the social contract is with public education. So. Thank you for that uh, fantastic question for us. Thank you. <coughs> Alex, your rebuttal? Yeah, again, uh, echo Jay in saying that was a great question. And, uh, I think Jay and I agree on this as well. And, you know, we're well underway on uh, transforming Dean Vocational High School to be a state-of-the-art uh, vocational technical education facility. Um, and I think back, I, was, I think I was at Peck Middle School in the eighth grade. And we had guidance counselors come in and basically tell us, essentially at the time, if you want to go to college, go to Holyoke High School. If you don't want to go to college, go to Dean. So it wasn't framed so much as a go to Dean because you're really passionate about the shops or vocations at Dean. And so it inherently became a place for uh, students whose teachers or guidance counselors didn't think they were cut out for college. And that's not how we should be framing vocational education. Uh, we want people to go to Dean. I mean, there used to be a waiting list to get into Dean. We had strong partnerships with our manufacturers downtown. Uh, I convene our manufacturers group on a regular basis, and there is a, a skills gap. You know, we have our manufacturers sometimes hiring young people that graduate from vocational high schools outside of Holyoke. So now that we're finally bolstering what's happening at Dean, we're exploring the academies. We have students here at Holyoke High School and in the eighth grade that are doing uh, exploratories at Dean to figure out if they want to go to Dean and they actually want to pursue a shop there. So we're well on our way and we're going to continue making progress on that. Thank you. Alex, I've been a student at Holyoke School since before receivership. After the schools were taken over, some students have felt a negative shift in school climate. Mm -hmm. For example, this, the decision was recently made that students would no longer use the bathrooms on the first and third floor because of the increased amount of students skipping class. Mm -hmm. What would you say to the people who feel that the structure of Holyoke High has broken down in the past few years? Yeah. Um, well, first, I'd be interested in probably learning a little bit more about it. So, you know, tonight might, might not be the best uh, venue, but, you know, always happy to um, have students in my office or come by to Holyoke High School and meet with students and hear directly from you. Uh, only then could I actually, you know, have a, have a strong grasp of, you know, some of the concerns that you're laying out uh, this evening. I think we've made, uh, you know, some steps forward. I think there's some really good people here at Holyoke High School, uh, be it Harry Melendez that's really heading up climate and culture here. Um, he's new under receivership, uh, graduate of Holyoke High School on the football team, uh, you know, went to Suffield and, and came back to Holyoke because he felt like he could make more difference at his alma mater at Holyoke High School. And it's people like him, talented people that grew up here in Holyoke, that went through the public schools that can come back to Holyoke and, and make a strong difference. And so uh, I know Harry has a lot on his plate, uh, as do many of our educators here. Uh, you know, but I look forward to, to working with, uh, you know, Mr. Dana Brown and other people here to address your concerns. Uh, I know when I was here at uh, Holyoke High School, uh, we had uh, David DuPont. Uh, as the principal and uh, you know it was run like a, a tight ship and so no one could get out of class and uh, we had teachers on the, the end of every hallway uh, and whatnot and the times that I've, I've visited Holyoke High uh, many times it, it, it seems like it's a uh, you know it still continues to be a great school uh, with great students and great teachers but again I always uh, open ears and open doors and uh, willing to do what it takes to stand up for students if it's necessary. Thank you. Yeah. Jay, your rebuttal? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of fear right now. There's a lot of frustration. I get, um, you know, one of the 
one of the interesting things about running for office is you get a lot of folks who reach out to you with, with information or their perspective or their frustrations or their suggestions on how to improve things. And one of the most consistent uh, things I hear is, is you know, issues with the schools. There's, they're afraid of what's going on. There's, uh, I have a friend, uh, he's a firefighter. His wife is a teacher. Um, they've both uh, lived in this city. They're third generation Hoyo, Hoyo people. And they're, they have young children, five and seven, that go to uh, kinder, uh, Blessed Sacrament School. So, you know, I asked them, I said, are you, you know, are you gonna send your, your children to, to Hoyo High School when they finish at Blessed Sacrament? And they said, no, we're not. We're gonna send our kids to, to Hatfield schools where, you know, there's so much uncertainty with the state takeover. Um, we're not liking what we're hearing and you know a number of the the teachers that we really liked and had a relationship with have left the district and so I think that's one of the main reasons that we're working against uh, or working to regain local control of the schools is to kind of give some stability and some sense of confidence to those parents thank and you. thank you for another great question for Rose. Alex, in your statement following the October 6th Assembly for Hispanic Heritage Month, you said, quote, In the coming weeks, I'll be working with Drs. Reich to think about ways our school department can help our kids learn about these issues in a spirit of decency, humility, and generosity of spirit, unquote. Mm -hmm. How much progress are you making towards this goal, and what specifically are you planning on doing? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question, and I know it's been on the minds of, of both a lot of students and a, and a lot of parents, and I think, you know, the number one issue, too, is making sure that all students and parents and teachers feel safe when they come to school and I really commend the leadership of our police chief and the men and women at the police department as well as uh, Drs. Reich and his team and uh, the students here for bringing concerns to uh, our attention. Uh, I think it also points to larger issues around uh, race and class and uh, I think you know people come from different uh, places in life. They have different perspectives, they have different backgrounds, different languages and I think we have to respect uh, other people's points of view and so when it came to the assembly, I think what's important after the assembly, uh, you know, based on the poem and certain uh, people's reactions to it, is an opportunity for two-way engagement, right? So uh, how can we learn more about a perspective we may initially disagree with, uh, and how do other students learn, um, you know, vice versa, learn from other perspectives? That's the only way I think we really build uh, as a community. Uh, it was really heartening to see so many people show up to our last uh, school committee meeting. We had teachers and community members uh, talking about the need for uh, more ethnic studies, for students to learn uh, either about their Puerto Rican past or uh, you know Ireland and uh, co colonialization in, in Ireland and how it relates to Puerto Rico and how to build those bridges. So uh, I think if we can you know have constructive conversations and you know one of the things uh, I, th I think is important here as well is that you know the adults really need to model behavior for uh, our young people. You know after the assembly I saw a lot of negative language and threats and you know name calling and. I know that not to be Holyoke. I know one of one of our city's greatest strengths and assets is our diversity. Uh, that everybody comes from different backgrounds, and um, you know, I, you know, going through the public schools, it, it was an education in and of itself, more so than what we learned in the classroom. I felt like I had a well-rounded education. Uh, I was able to interact in a in a global world with different people uh, that come from different backgrounds. When I went off uh, to college, and I wouldn't change uh, a thing for, uh, a thing for that. Um, and so I think we need to live up to what we know best about the spirit here at Holyoke High School and around our community. And I know we're, we're up for the challenge. Uh, and again, we'll continue working with uh, Drs. Reich, the members on the school committee. I think it was a productive 
uh, conversation uh, th that night, uh, and then talking about smaller groups of students to be able to have uh, conversations. Because in an assembly, oftentimes it's, it's one-sided. You're hearing from somebody on stage, and there's no opportunity to engage or ask questions uh, or have a conversation. So only in smaller groups within classrooms uh, can we actually engage and have conversations around that. Thank you. Jay, your response? Thank you. Yeah, and <clears throat> you know there was a lot of controversy, certainly, around uh, surrounding the poem. And uh, you know, it's, it, it really does pain me to see um, to see members of my community, you know, so divided over an issue. And I think, you know, with my public statement, I really was trying to um, trying to kind of heal those heal those wounds. And one of the things I found, and um, you know, I'm, I've made a point to reach out to a number of young people, uh, not just Holyoke High School students, but uh, other people in the Holyoke Public Schools and, and parents that have children in the public schools. Um, you know, I've gone to a couple of the of, uh, your field hockey games, Bella, and, and certainly to almost all the football games um, on Friday nights at, at uh, Hoyoke High. And what I found is that it seems that the, the students are um, kind of accepting of, of the situation and ready to move forward in a productive way. And it's the parents that have, um, that have an issue with, with what, what went down. So I think we really need to bridge the uh, generational gap as well as some of the other, uh, some of the other divides that uh, are involved in that issue. Thank you. Jay, this assembly has brought up a lot of complicated and charged issues surrounding school safety, race, and freedom of student expression. How do you plan as mayor to address these issues in a productive way? Sure. So, I mean, <clears throat> you know, when I first saw the, uh, the young lady give her poem, I watched it uh, on a video, um, I was impressed. Um, I know where I was as a high school is perhaps is she a junior or a senior. Either way, um, I, there, I'm, I'm running for mayor of Holyoke now. There's no conceivable way I would have had the confidence to stand up in front of the uh, school and give a, and give a poem uh, that, that's, that had the potential to uh, invoke such passion. And so um, I think just my first impression, I was just, I was just interested and impressed that uh, a student was willing to do that. And you know, the, um, you know, if that was the end of the story, I think it, it would have been something that upset a number of people. And, um, you know, ultimately it would have been a, a, a great learning moment for the city. But I think the, uh, some of the fallout from the poem was where we saw some of the issues. I think the hit list was uh, something that's really uh, been an issue and continues to be an issue. And it's, uh, it's been something I've gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of calls on. There's parents, uh, whose students, whose children were on that hit list and they're angry and they want something done and they, and they want to know, they don't want to think and they don't want to hear a press release and they don't want to get a letter home. They want to know in their hearts that their students are, uh, are safe in the high school and that they're not going to face retaliation. And it's been unfortunate. Um, I know a couple of the students uh, on that list have left the school district and um, you know, these are the things that we really need to get a good grasp on, and I think um, there's some frustration as well with um, the state control that we're kind of powerless. It's, it's this situation where parents are fearful of their children, and they're also feeling powerless um, to, to, uh, to do something about it, and that's not a healthy situation, and I think as uh, involved members of the community, we, re we really need to be engaging uh, as many people as possible, as often as possible, to start to figure out how we're going to move forward as a, as a community. And um, 
So, you know, as a candidate, I think I have a, a platform to kind of uh, engage folks on this issue. And like I said, I've, I've been really trying to, uh, to bring people together and to bridge the gap and to listen and uh, you know be aware of of uh, the fact that it's okay for a parent to be angry. It's okay. It's it's a, it's a logical thing and it's okay for a group of students to uh, to support the poem. You know we can uh, reasonable people can uh, can disagree. So you know that that's that's another great question. So thank you very much for that, uh, Bella. Thank you, um, Alex. Your response? Yeah, I think you know we agree on a lot of this topic. I think. You know, the, the, the poet herself uh, shouldn't be made to feel unsafe, nor should any of those students on the, on the SmackDown list um, or any other students in the school. And I think we made that uh, very clear, and I, I've made it clear to the public and to those parents uh, whose kids were on that SmackDown list uh, that there will be consequences. Both the police department and the school department are directly uh, involved in that. Uh, but it is, as you said, Bella, a, a larger issue around race and other issues within the school. And you know, as mayor, it's important we have a mayor that defends our public schools and is a positive spokesperson and, and, and wants to make sure that people know all of the great things happening here at Holyoke High School, be it the, the athletics and what's happening with the football team or the field hockey team or the arts and the musical theater department. There are so many great things happening at Holyoke High School. Uh, and we want to make sure that it's a school of choice for uh, all of our young people and families in the district. And we can't lose sight uh, of that goal. Um, I have been impressed with the restorative justice program overall. Uh, there was a point where we had one of the highest out-of-school suspension rates, particularly for students of color in the entire country. And it's programs like that that have been able to break down those barriers and improve communication between people of different backgrounds in the school. Thank you. Jay, recently some parents have made the troubling decision to remove their students from Holyoke High School. Some members of the community cho choose to school choice out of Holyoke. Jay, as the potential next leader of the city, what steps will you take to make sure Holyoke is the first choice for families to trust with their students' education? Right, so, you know, I think uncertainty is, is, is the issue. I think there's a lot of uncertainty with parents and students about what, uh, what's going to happen in the future uh, with the Holyoke Public Schools. And, you know, certainly, um, you know, I'm biased. I, my mother works at the public schools. I uh, attended the public schools my entire life. I went to Kirtland School, which you, I don't know if any of you even know what that was. It's, um, it was an old school that they turned down, that they tore down probably 10 years ago. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, so I think really what we need to do is, uh, is start to give some parents some comfort on, on where we're going in the, in the school department. And I think uh, the expectation is that the state is going to extend the uh, the state takeover, the state control uh, for another three years. And, you know, that's making folks uncomfortable uncom for sure. And I think, um, you know, we really need to start to uh, establish the criteria and establish a time frame for when the state is going to leave the schools because, you know, Alex and uh, Dr. Zreich and, and the school committee can do any number of things and, and some of them may be great and some of them might not work out, but the perception uh, of the schools is is a, a huge issue and the perception of a school district under state receivership is a problem no matter what they accomplish it's it's going to be viewed in a negative light and so you know we really need to start to uh, press the state to leave and um, you know so I think that that's really the uh, the, the main goal here is to start to you know work to regain local control and allow um, 
parents to feel some stability and know where the school department's going to be and the, the school system's going to be in three and five years. Uh, Newark, New Jersey just came out of uh, receivership in the state of New Jersey. They were taken over for 20 years. And, you know, that's my fear is that we're going to have a school district. I'm going to be 50 years old with, and, and the, the schools are still going to be taken over by the state. So, we, we, you know, the, the sense of urgency, I think, is, is the issue. We need to really start to, to press the state on when they're leaving, how they're going to leave and what, uh, what the schools are going to look like uh, after that, so. Thank you. Alex, your rebuttal. Great, thanks, Rose. Um, you know, I think it's clear. Jay and I both think highly of the public schools. We're both graduates of the public schools, but I think our difference here is the role of mayor, you know, we can't um, be out talking to parents and community members and prospective students and have this doom and gloom perception of the of receivership in public schools, right? You know, receivership happened, um, and that happened over two years ago. And so how do we work as hard as we can to get ourselves out of receivership? And that happens by improving outcomes and improving our schools uh, under, under what are challenging uh, conditions. I mean, all, of, uh, all three of you were great examples of the fact that we have wonderful students still here at Holyoke High School. I mean, I went to the graduations over the last couple of years and class days and seeing the great colleges all across the country that our students are continuing uh, to go to, we may be under different leadership uh, by, the, by the superintendent appointed by uh, the commissioner, but the great infrastructure, the great teachers and classes and education that is here is still here. Uh, and we can't afford to have a mayor that, when asked if somebody should send their kids to the public schools, said there's a lot of uncertainty, we're not sure about receivership. We need to be positive about what's happening here, uh, talk about what's happening here, because there is a lot of wonderful things happening in the Holyoke Public Schools, receivership or not. And we're working hard uh, to move us forward from here. Alex, I have the same question for you. As mayor, what will you do to make sure our families choose Holyoke? And what would you say to the people who are thinking about not choosing Holyoke? Yeah, that's a great question. And I maybe I would have waited for some of my <laughs> points until, <laughs> until that one. Um, and it, it is a wonderful question. And, and as I said before, it's so important that uh, we work together um, on this. And, you know, receivership, like I said before, has, you know, instilled a lot of fears in our community. I heard a lot of these uh, two years ago, right? Um, you know, some of you may have heard, and I mentioned her already, Tracy Trial. I mean, she was, you know, staunchly opposed to receivership. She was a teacher. She ended up leaving and going to work at the homework house for uh, about a year, uh, but she missed uh, the public schools. So she came back to the public schools, and now she's a peck leading up uh, climate and culture. Uh, and it was about willing to have those difficult conversations about where we're going as a, as a school district. Uh, you know, in partnership with the school committee and Drs. Reich, and one of your questions before had uh, implied the fact that the mayor doesn't play a direct role in education. I mean, we're constantly uh, in meetings uh, talking with parents and students and teachers, uh, going after state and federal grants, uh, having meetings with organizations like the Bar Foundation so we can afford to do the secondary redesign work that's happening uh, here at Holyoke High School uh, and at Dean. It's teachers like Joe Crochane and uh, Megan Lynch Harrison that are you know, optimistic and they see where Holyoke Public Schools uh, can go. Uh, and our goal, again, is to make the schools the number one school of choice. Uh, I mentioned before all of the offerings we have here, the after-school programs, the arts, uh, the music, uh, the education that's happening uh, in the classrooms, uh, the dual enrollment uh, at, our, at our local colleges. Uh, I've seen Holyoke High School students go on to some of the best colleges uh, in the country. Um, and that's why I look back at the education uh, I received here. Uh, and I think other students can relate. I mean, when I went off to, to college, I still had this sort of sense of, um, 
you know, you, some, you sometimes internalize this view and perception that people have uh, about your school. So when I got to Brown, I was like, you know, I did well at Holyoke High School, but am I going to be good enough uh, for college? Uh, and a lot of it's just a, a perception, right? It's much harder to have access to those um, institutions and barriers than it is to actually be there. And I think our Holyoke students are ready for the most part. But I also know that we have a long way to go. I mean, I talked to the president of Holyoke Community College and, you know, going back to the skills gap, we still need to do a better job uh, to educate every single one of our students. Uh, yeah, we have issues of poverty and homelessness, and, and we're tackling those issues head on. But the promise of a public education should be our society's biggest equalizer. Uh, education will help get our young people uh, out of poverty. Uh, it'll help stabilize uh, our community. Uh, having an educated uh, community will transform our city uh, in the long term. And so uh, this isn't something where the mayor is just sitting back and, and waiting and watching for progress to happen. Uh, we've really delved down into the details to provide a great public education uh, to all students. And I think the three of you are a testament uh, to that and the, the hundreds of students I meet every year at all of our schools. And so we're not going to rest until every student uh, has that opportunity and potential. Thank you. Jay, your rebuttal. Thank you. Well, I, I would like to correct the mayor on one thing in that, you know, my perception of the school's system hasn't changed since I was a student here, but the, uh, a number of parents, the perception has changed, and I think we need to understand uh, that this is motivating parents to, to explore alternative options, charter schools, uh, school choice. So, you know, perception is reality, right? So, like I said, I mean, Alex uh, and Dr. Joy can accomplish any number of things in the school system, but you know, as long as we're under state control, there's going to be that uncertainty with parents, and they're going to they're going to explore the charter schools. They're going to look into uh, the public the uh, public school systems of some of the surrounding communities, and you know, we're seeing. Uh, the more parents uh, that do that, the, the more parents that are interested in that because their friends and neighbors are sending their kids to Hatfield and they're sending their kids to Hampshire Regional and it's actually, you know, you know X, Y, and Z helpful. So, you know, we re I, I think it's, you know, for me it's a frustrating thing because, you know, I'm a Hoyo person and I love Hoyo High School and Hoyo High Sports and, you know, I'm very proud of, of everything that uh, we, we've accomplished, but you know, we need to understand what, what's going on in the community. We need to understand where par how parents feel about a lot of these issues, and um, that's how we're going to you know, be able to uh, fix the, uh, the issue. Thank you. Sorry, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> For our final question, we thought we'd try something a little different. We're going to give each of you the chance to ask your opponent a question. You'll get three minutes to answer the question posed by your opponent. We'll flip a coin to see who asked the first question. Alex, as the incumbent, we defer to you to choose heads or tails. Um, we'll go with heads. Heads. It's a regular U.S. coin. Tails won last <laughs> night. Yeah, about the opposite. Yep. That's what I, I would do, too. Tails. What does that mean? It <laughs> yeah, means Jay asked oh, okay. the first question. Um, can I defer to Alex to ask a question? Because I could use some time to think of a question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, he won the coin toss, so he should go first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'll ask, ask Alex a question. I'll have plenty of time to think about mine while he's coming. All right, I'll ask a question. Alex, certainly you've yeah. been a, a pretty accomplished young person um, uh, in the city, and, I, and I'd like to know what your plans are uh, after you become mayor. What, it, what are you thinking of doing down the line? That's a softball um, for you. You're yeah, welcome. Yeah, no, that, well, thank you, for, thank you for the question. And, <laughs> and the only thing on my mind is, is being mayor. I think when I first ran for mayor, uh, and it's oftentimes funny I think about this, because I, you know, I ran for mayor, I was, I was actually only 21 when I announced, and so you could imagine you know, a lot of people, they have expectations of young people based on where you come from. And you know, a lot of people said, you know, don't bother running. You know, you're not going to get the support of 
Holyoke voters, but um, I think it's that perseverance that Holyokers have. I, I wanted to come back to Holyoke because I love the city, like Jay loves the city and all of you love Holyoke and we see its potential, right? And um, it could be easy for any of us, uh, you know, after college to, to, to move on. And, but when it's your hometown and there's challenges in your hometown, you wanna make your city a better place. And so I've said this many times that it's really been the greatest honor and privilege of my life to, to, to be the city's mayor. Uh, this is where my, you know, my family's here. I have friends that I grew up with here. You know, teachers that I had at Morgan, Peck, and Holyoke High School are still teachers here uh, in the Holyoke Public Schools in uh, different capacities. Uh, and then I ran for a second term and, and people said, wow, I'm surprised you're running for a second term. I thought you'd do a term and, 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 and move on. And I said, no, we still have a lot of work left to do. Uh, and then I ran for a third term and people again said, wow, you're running for a third term. I thought you had you know, higher ambitions to do something else. Uh, and then I'm running for a fourth term. And so you know, I won't rest until our, our work is done. And you know, although we've made a lot of progress over the last six years, I think what was indi uh, indicated tonight is that we still have a lot of uh, challenges and one person alone can't uh, solve them. But the reason we've been able to make progress is because we've worked with uh, regular people in our community, people I've met like Tracy and Mark and Jody uh, and people who live in places like Lyman Terrace or in South Holyoke that have a vision for their neighborhood. And our role is to bring people together, be aggressive in securing you know, federal and state dollars to help implement uh, that vision. And so you know, Jay and I, you know, we both love the city. We may disagree on some topics uh, here and there, but we both want what's best uh, for the city of Holyoke. We want what's best here uh, at Holyoke High School. And so uh, again, I, the, the only focus I'm uh, focusing on right now is, is being mayor. Uh, I absolutely love my job and the people I have the opportunity to work with uh, each and every day, and I, and I wouldn't change a thing about that. So appreciate the question. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. <coughs> um, so Alex, you now get to ask Jay a question. Yeah. Well, I was answering. Now I, I didn't have much time to think about my question. Um, I think my question would be, um, I think Jay's mentioned in the past that he wants to um, you know, take a look at the municipal budget uh, and or the school budget. So just curious if there's you know, two particular areas of either the, the city budget or the school budget uh, that you would be able to find savings to then reinvest in the classroom here in places like Holyoke High School. Sure. So one, uh, thank you for that. It's a much harder question than the one I asked you. But um, <coughs> the um, one of the things that we've been looking at in the campaign, and it's it's terribly complex, is uh, the city insurance contract. So we currently have two companies that split that contract and that work: um, Ross Insurance and Dowd Insurance. And, one, and what we've been looking at is uh, is getting involved in the what's called the GIC. It's a state. Uh, group insurance and there's some surrounding communities that that utilize this uh, Northampton again Springfield utilizes it and so what we found so far and and it's not an apples to apples comparison to be fair but um, what we found so far is that generally speaking um, the uh, the cost of insurance to employees is almost is about half for a comparable plan. So uh, we had somebody that worked for the city of Hoyoke, uh, was paying $362 a pay period, I believe, for, for a family insurance plan. They moved to a position um, working for the city of Springfield and their plan went down to $181 uh, a pay period. And uh, it, it is the exact same plan. So, you know, is that gonna be the case with every single person? No, but you know, the city of Hoyoke, one of the things that I think surprise people is we, we spend a lot of money on uh, on health insurance. It's it's one of the biggest parts of the budget, and so I think uh, exploring uh, the entry into the group insurance is really a, a 
something that I'm going to look at from day one. I think, uh, number one, it's an opportunity to give uh, our great city employees uh, what, what would amount to a several thousand dollar raise uh, that wouldn't impact taxpayers at all and, and potentially uh, save uh, a, a substantial amount of money from the budget. So we've talked about that. and. Um, you know, I think it's just a matter of uh, a willingness to really make some difficult decisions. And Alex has made some difficult decisions. You know, uh, closing fire engine two, he's, he's paid a political price for that. And um, it's a difficult thing. He thought it was the best decision. I disagree. But, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity in the city budget. Um, as a city councilor, you know, you go through the budget. It's really the, I don't want to say the only power, but the ability to cut the budget is really the, the lever that the city council has. So I think, um, you know, I have a, a great uh, background on what specifically goes into the city budget. Um, <coughs> I have 30 seconds left, but, um, you know, I, I, I think it's just a matter of really getting into the details and, uh, and being willing to make some hard decisions. And Alex has made some hard decisions, some that I disagree with and some that I agree with. So thank you. Sorry, I ran out of time. Have an opportunity to, to talk a little bit about that or? Uh, if you want to, yes, sure. Okay. Yeah, I would just say in terms of the, the GIC, we're actually required by law on an annual basis to officially explore the state group uh, insurance uh, commission. Surrounding communities, uh, you know, do have it. Uh, and what we've been able to prove on an annual basis that the plans that city employees have uh, is actually better and more affordable than what it would be under the GIC. So you can't compare a GIC plan in a city like Northampton and Holyoke because we have a different group of employees with different health conditions and a different portfolio uh, within that. Uh, also, when you go to the, the GIC, uh, you lose, uh, local control. So right now we have what's called a Section 19 committee, which is made up of all of the local unions, firefighters union, police union, uh, you know, uh, teachers union, uh, that meet with my office and the finance department to negotiate the health care plans. Once you go into the GIC, you're locked into the GIC for two years. Our local unions then have no input in the health care plans that they're going to get for themselves, for their families, or for their members. So I think I'm really proud of the fact that we've been able to work with our union uh, brothers and sisters in Holyoke to be able to get the best health care plans and keep the budget relatively stable over the last six years. Thank you. Um, we will now give each candidate two minutes for closing statement. Alex, your final thoughts? Great. Um, well, I just want to thank all of you again for the opportunity. I think Jay and I would both agree that the questions tonight are probably the, the, the toughest questions we've had the, the entire campaign season. Yep. And I think, it's, uh, yep. I think it, it, it demonstrates the, um, what's happening here at Holyoke High School. And I'm just really proud of the young people here at Holyoke High. And, uh, this hasn't happened every election cycle, so I think all of you deserve a, a pat on the back for putting this uh, forum together. Uh, of course, again, thank Jay and the, the teachers here for participating in the debate. And uh, those of you uh, listening at home, either tonight or, or sometime uh, in the future, thank you for being part of this process as well. Uh, as I said multiple times tonight and throughout the campaign, it's been an absolute honor and privilege to be the city's mayor uh, over the last uh, six years. Uh, as I said, we still have uh, more work to do, uh, but we also can't do this alone. There's only two weeks left until uh, the election on November 7th. Uh, and so, you know, please uh, help us uh, knock on doors and make phone calls, uh, continue to be part of our grassroots campaigns. Uh, you know, we want to continue the trends that we see in public safety, uh, in public education and economic development. Uh, and as I said before, it's been an honor to meet so many different people uh, along the way. Uh, and I'm looking forward to continuing that work over the next uh, four years. So uh, thank you again for tuning in. And I respectfully ask for your vote on Tuesday, November 7th. Thank you. Thank you. Jay, your closing statement, please. Thank you. I, I really just want to thank everybody involved in this debate. This was um, 
you know, I've been involved in campaigns for a number of years now, and I, and I can say without question that this was the best debate I was ever a part of. The questions were exactly what I, I think are the, uh, the main issues of the city, and um, I just have so much respect for everybody involved. So Joe, um, thank you so much for, for the work that you do. Um, you know, you really are uh, an inspiration. I think, you know, there's uh, those folks that go above and beyond uh, for our young people are, are the, uh, the most valuable people in our community. So I'm so, so happy that you reached out to me to uh, have this event and I'm so happy that I, uh, that I accepted and, and was able to sit and have this great conversation. And uh, Johan, again, is just a, a, a priceless asset for our city. I said last night, I'm not sure how we operated before Johan burst onto the scene. He really did uh, burst onto the scene. And he's another person that's just um, not looking for any credit, but will just go above and beyond for, uh, for our young people and for our community. And I'm just so grateful that um, I've gotten an opportunity to know him better and uh, participate in some of the events that he's put on. So uh, the three of you that, that uh, uh, moderated this debate, um, you know, I, I'm not sure what you're going to do in your lives, but I know it's going to be something amazing. I, c I can just uh, tell that you all have that special spark, and um, I'll be really interested in following you closely uh, as you grow up in life and, and go on to some great things. So, you know, if you ever decide to run for political office, please uh, make, make me your first phone call. I promise you I'll, I'll be right there knocking on doors and, and, helping, you, um, and helping you win election. Um, Again, thank you to all the folks who participated. Uh, just remember to get out to vote November 7th. Uh, it's really the most important thing uh, if you want to see any change in uh, anything we do. So thank you again. Thank you both for being here today <coughs> and giving us a chance to grow as student journalists. We would like to thank Johan Rashi Vega of the Radio Plasma Podcast for giving us this opportunity. Thank you to all the school officials and student Holyoke students in attendance this afternoon. And thank you to Mike Hines of the Holyoke Public Schools Media Center for giving us use of the Shevlin Studio. Be sure to listen to this and other podcasts at radioplasma.com and like the Herald on Facebook and, and follow us online at HHS Herald. This has been Bella Corshane for Rose Danny. And Brendan Leahy. With the Holyoke Herald. Your city, your school, your news. Thank you for listening. This was a Radio Plasma special presentation. The Herald Mayoral Candidates Forum. Local journalism, youth-led in a forum with the two mayoral candidates answering questions from students and staff reporters. The Herald Mayoral Candidates Forum. I'm Brendan Leahy. I'm Isabella Corshane. I'm Farosa Danny.